0: Good evening and welcome to the Brothers on the Phone Talking Movies podcast. This is kind of sort of our Oscars podcast. Are you wearing a tux or how are you for the podcast?
1: I'm in a very flashy pair of Champion sweatpants. <laughs> nice.
0: All right. So you're doing it up nice. Good. Good. Good so who night. are you wearing? Yep. Oh, Champion. You said that. That's who you're wearing. Uh, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I'm, I think I'm wearing, uh, like, I got Columbia. I'm wearing Columbia. You're, you're wearing yes. Columbia. Yeah, exactly. oh, you went a little fancier yeah, than got me. got a Columbia hoodie on. Oh, nice. So, yes, <laughs> <laughs> that's what I'm wearing tonight. I thought that was important it's to nice. get that out of the way quickly. Well,
1: well that's very fringe of you. It's just wanted to be, you know, like get that. to.
0: <clears throat> so, uh. Oscar stuff. So the the big Academy Awards, you know, and I'm in many ways, I'm very anti Oscar because it's just it's a bunch of pop and circumstance. And most of the time, I don't agree with it.
1: So many people have gotten screwed over the years. Um, well, do you like the fact that they don't have a host anymore? I, I like <clears> yeah i guess so I,
0: I guess if you can't find a good one don't put one up there that sucks yeah right. <laughs> I if i if i had to you know give a read on that then yes i would agree with that don't have a host um now are there any uh are there any nominees uh joining us this evening any people that were up for oscars and stuff like that anybody joining us
1: i do i think we have a couple of people here <laughs> this is a good because, setup uh, Go ahead. yeah there's a, there's a couple of people here now look, I uh, I had a speech all prepared. Whoa, <laughs> I did. I can't believe I didn't win.
0: I had so many more lines than Brad Pitt. <laughs> yeah, look,
1: I gotta tell you, I don't know why I won Best Supporting Actor. You know, because I, I just uh, all I do is I like hitting people and beating people up and uh, everybody in my movies. But uh, I'm gonna bring this home to Angie and the kids. Well, actually, just the kids, not Angie. <laughs> God,
0: so right there. So we had we had a little bit of Al Pacino, a little bit of Brad Pitt. Nice, very nice. Ooh, ah. <laughs> by the way, I you know, in, in seeing that film, The Irishman, just my just my read on that. He, I, I'm
1: still I'm still watching it. Yeah, exactly.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. You got about another month,
1: and then you'll get through it. Um, i love chris chris rock i have to mention chris rock's joke about it he said uh, marty just a great film great i'm i'm, I'm still on season one
0: <laughs> <laughs> um yeah it could have been a lot shorter but anyway uh you know it, it, it's a good movie and in, in, in some ways it's very sad it's you know it's tough to see these guys you know get older at least for part of the film except when they get younger um And, you know, De Niro is solid and Pesci is he's old, but he's good in it. He still has a a subtle charisma that he brings to the role. Pacino eh, just didn't work for me. I I think he's the weak link in the film. I think he I don't buy him for one minute as Jimmy Hoffa. It doesn't work for me. Um, And, you know, he's just Al Pacino. So he gets nominated. And, you know, it's an event. That's why these guys get nominated. It's an event. Man. It's just—I
1: mean—it's so cool to see Robert De Niro, Harvey Keitel, Al Pacino, yeah. Joe Pesci, and Ray Romano. Uh, there's uh, <laughs> something in my nose. I don't know. He still sounds the same as him. Uh, ah. <laughs> yeah, right. I don't know. Yeah, yeah.
0: No, I know. I—I I don't know. Like I said, Pacino just didn't work for me as, as Hoffa. I just wasn't feeling it. Didn't buy it and i you know, i know he's lauded and you know so many great reviews and all of this and i just said yeah it's just no uh it doesn't take away that it's a good movie and it's an interesting story uh it really is and it's 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 really about history you know so much of it it's about the mid 20th century it's very interesting
1: see see you know i mean we're talking about and this is it's over three hours. And the interesting thing is, if it was just in the movies, it wasn't on Netflix. Yeah. You'd have no choice if you were going to go. But you're going to have to see it. You're going to sit there through the whole thing. So I think that's delayed me wanting to see it. Now, as far as Pacino and that character, mm-hmm. I, I've seen the trailer. I was, there's a couple of trailers that they have out. And for I don't know what it was. He, I never bought him. As Jimmy Hoffa. And maybe when I see the film, a lot of times, you know, it takes 10 or 15 minutes and you're into the film and you're watching the performance and you buy that it's the character. I kind of felt that way when I saw Tom Hanks uh, as Mr. Rogers. It, first, I, it was like you're listening to Woody and Tom Hanks. And then after a while, I just kind of relaxed into it and, and thought, okay, this is his interpretation of Mr. Rogers. But I really liked Jack Nicholson as Jimmy Hoffa in the movie Hoffa. Either that, he was great. The movie, I don't know, wasn't that, wasn't phenomenal. But I just thought Jack was great. I, I, I,
0: I didn't. <laughs> you don't agree with me, no. Do you?
1: you you didn't like no. You didn't like. I, I think there's, yeah. uh,
0: there's no doubt that he's brings a you know an intensity and, and a charisma to that role, and he's clearly into it. But there's no emotional core to it. It's just. He's just all bluster and loud and tough, and you don't feel for the character at all, at any level. I, there's no emotion to that role. Um, I guess you could say, if I had to choose between the two of them, yeah, I would pick Jack Nicholson. But yeah, I I never was. I never thought that was a great film. I I really didn't. I mean, Danny DeVito creates a character that never existed, and he's basically this office, you know, side guy throughout the whole – his whole life. And eh, I just – nope.
1: Boy, that's a surprise ending, though. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly.
0: <laughs> exactly. The – um, you know, uh, there's some of these films that I, I just – you know, I refuse to go see. And it's funny. Tarantino, he's, he said he hates the biopic, and I'm not a fan of the biopic. You know I'm not. Um, I just think it's it, – it, it just – the biopic in general doesn't work for me. It only works for me maybe, maybe when it's somebody that I'm really not that familiar with. Uh, like like Hidden Figures, that's a biopic, but it's not a story I'm not familiar with. Uh, it's about people that I don't know enough about. So, okay, there you go. You'll win, You'll win with me on that. But I don't want to see Elton John. I don't want to see Mr. Rogers. I don't. I, those people are who they are to me. I, I'll tell you what.
1: I saw Rocket Man. And I have to say that was a great film. I love it. Taron Egerton. I mean, he's amazing, and he sings all the songs himself, which that surprised me. I mean, I knew that before I went there, but he's 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 incredible in that role. And and you learn so much about Elton. So I watch a documentary. Upbringing. I'd rather
0: watch a real documentary. That's that's see that's my. You know, that's how I feel. The biopics for me are just. I feel like they're easy way out. They're they're not fully credible to me. And when someone is so vivid in your in your imagination, who you know, you grew up with Mr. Rogers, you grew up with Elton John, and someone playing them, it just seems hollow. It, it doesn't work for me. I'm, All
1: right. Can, can I ask you a question? Okay, let's get back for just a second to uh, um, The Irishman. Did you sell the whole film? I did see it, yes. You did? So do you, would you recommend it? I mean yes, give it, yes. Is it as great as people say? Yeah, okay. I would not say it's great. Yeah, I would it's, say it's very good. Okay. Yeah. So you put that… In the top of, but not the top tier of Scorsese's films, but you'd, you'd highly recommend I, I would say this. It,
0: it, if I have time in my life, I would want to see it again because it, it, that's a hard thing to really commit to. I mean he's a guy whose films I think you'd need to see more than once. I mean a film like Goodfellas, it, it really does get better almost in repeat viewings. I think you would agree that you don't necessarily appreciate everything that's happening in that first time.
1: So that's a crazy, amazing. That's what film. I'm saying. There's so much subtlety in that so, film. We, we get that. Yeah. I'm, I'm with you on that. Totally yeah. Me. I yeah. think repeat, yeah. but that's a great repeat film.
0: viewings is, is what makes a movie like that. So great. Is this one at that level? I don't think so. No, but is it neat to see all these guys working together? Sure. And they're telling an interesting story about an interesting time in our history about some very interesting people. And it, it's a very sad film in its own way. Um, Good performances overall, so I recommend it, but is it in his top
1: tier? I don't know if I can make that commitment yet. Well, I I can tell you, I can recommend a film that doesn't necessarily need a second viewing, and that's Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I would say once is all you need to see this film, if you see it. I saw it last night. I wanted to watch it before our our special Oscar podcast, and, and I have to say, it was a boring film. I didn't care about the characters, and it. But it, But again, on the other hand, I kind of knew that. Well, it's Quentin Tarantino, so we're going. We're going to see uh, very exaggerated characters that are that are not real. They're they're. It's cartoon violence, for me, and I. I don't know. I didn't see the humor. I. I, I mean, it just. I think it was just a dreadful, slow, boring. Film experience and the and sometimes Leonardo DiCaprio is kind of mumbly. I mean, maybe that's characteristic of his character, or maybe it's the way the sound is recorded. Mm-hmm. When you watch movies, a lot of times the the music when it's on, it's too loud, so you have to turn down the music, but then you have to raise the volume to hear the actor dialogue. So for me, I thought the cool part of the film that I did really like about Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is you get to see 1969, early seventies Hollywood, which is fun. Hollywood Boulevard. And you you just get to kind of experience that. But I think uh, I, again, I saw it on a smaller TV on my TV, so I didn't see it in a theater, which I think would have been. So uh, cool. So I start, I've started watching the, the, and I'm
0: maybe I'm about an hour into it. And, and I'm, I wouldn't say I'm a huge Tarantino fan, but I like him and uh, I'm pretty disappointed thus far. I'm not sure what all. I kind of thought you would. I'm not be. sure what all yeah, the, I, I the, the Hollywood would. is about here. I, I, yeah, it's like, yeah, I guess there's a lot going on, but nothing's really happening, and it 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 does look great. It does, and I agree with that. Um, the scene, just the setting, everything looks really authentic. The, the attention to detail is really cool, uh, and you're right. Seeing Hollywood at that time is 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 pretty is pretty awesome, and. But at the same time, yeah, it just—I think some of the accolades for this film are, are maybe, him just getting rewarded for a, an interesting career. Uh, there are movies that I like of his far
1: better than this one.
0: Uh, but I'll watch the rest to make a full judgment. Not fair to completely judge the film until I watch. It has
1: it. kind of a. It has kind of a. I don't want to say a Hitchcock type ending but there's some kind of strange irony it it, yeah. it has a quirky ending it, it's kind of a little quirky ending. and i and i and, and i so. unfortunately
0: know it, somebody ruined it but but i still you know my mind will be kept open i think what's interesting what the, the you know i haven't seen all all these films um you know i think when you look at a movie like Endgame and you know here's, here's Scorsese who insulted the Marvel films. And I was really disappointed in him about that because did he really you know, say that or is that a I mean no, he did. He 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 he, really yeah, he said, said it that and he insulted all those films he doesn't like them. And I and I thought to myself, you know, you sir as a guy who's a student of Hollywood and loves classic and old Hollywood. I mean, that's what people went to see. Heroes and villains and superheroes, all the serials um, you know, the stuff that I remember our dad telling us about the serials that he would watch in the films as he was a kid, seeing superheroes and and bad guys, you know, versus the good guys that that's been going on forever. It's disappointing for me for him to say that I think Marvel has done a, a brilliant job of taking 22 films and somehow connecting the stories. Not an easy thing to do. Uh, I mean, it's 22 movies in the series, basically. And somehow they connect to each other in some way. And while Endgame was too long, and I agree, I mean, I'm 51, I just admitted that, and my daughter is 11, and we were both crying at points in the film. We were both moved emotionally. Not an easy thing to do. And I realize Hollywood never wants to pay attention to films like that because they're too popular, they're too beloved. But sometimes when films really capture so many people and really get through to people, isn't that maybe a great film?
1: Well, it's kind of almost like the fact that comedies were never really lauded. Once in a while, you'd have a comedy that would win something, Best Music, Best Screenplay. Or in nineteen what is it, seventy-seven, when Annie Hall won Best Picture, that was a, a shock because they just didn't give awards to comedies. So I kind of think maybe it's the same kind of sort of. Yeah. You know, yeah. that same kind it's, of, a, yeah, right? they don't it, want to do it. It's not worth it. Yeah. Not, for some it's reason a, it's not worth it's it. It's not. Yeah. Yeah. And so maybe that was a little harsh on his point, but again, he, he comes from a different era. He, he comes from a different time. So maybe that has something to do with it, but I mean, I, I just, I,
0: I really think it was, I think those films are brilliant. I mean, for me, you know what movie I enjoyed the most this whole year? Um, it was Spider-Man Far From Home. I loved that movie. I thought I had the most fun. I didn't, I didn't nod off for a half second, which is really the key to anything anymore in my life. If I'm awake the whole time, <laughs> then that's a good movie. That's, that's your benchmark for a great film. But it's a film I enjoyed from beginning to end, and just I had the most fun. Well, so. those
1: the new Spider-Man franchises are, uh, well, it's it's. I guess you can say it's not even a full franchise yet. That that it's only the it's the second. I saw the first one and I loved it. I thought it was hilarious. Tom Holland is is just perfect. Peter he is. Parker. this is better. He's so far cute. He's so funny. Far from home better. It's better. better. Wow. And that was and it was funny and it yes. was and it was not like it wasn't trying to be funny. It just was kind of didn't take itself too seriously. So it's almost like they've reinvented their own superhero franchise. So I I I'm kind of with you on that. I I I, I will see it. I definitely will. I do. I don't. I don't have any little kids to take to see it, but but that doesn't matter. I I, I just I, think I totally will see
0: it. We can't lose sight of why we go to the movies, and that's to be entertained and have fun. I get it. There's a message, and everyone's talking about this movie Parasite, and you know, that's great. There's a really there's an interesting message. And I'm okay with films like that too, but we also – the first reason we go to a movie is to be entertained, and when we forget about that, that to me is a problem.
1: Well, I, I completely agree, and there's there has to be that factor to it. Now, now when you talk about biopics, how did you feel – did you see Dolomite, or do you know anything about it? I just saw that. Yeah, I know about it. I haven't seen it yet. No, I haven't watched it yet. No. I think you might like yeah. this. And and I think maybe because R- Rudy Ray Moore, who who Eddie Murphy portrays, I didn't know anything about Rudy Ray. I didn't know who he sure. was. Uh, I had not come across that. So that was kind of fun. And it was really interesting to see that. And talk about recreating the time period of that era, the 70s. Wow. It was it was awesome. It was like a, yeah. a combination of watching Shaft and <laughs> uh, it was like three different – and Blackula – and it was just the, the black exploitation films. It, it was there's some nice, really fun touches. And it was really interesting to see how comics of that era, where they had to play, that there was only certain places that they could play. And, of course, he was such an exaggerated character. So I that's kind of a. Yeah, I, I would do. say it's a date. I would say it's not a date night film, but but it's a fun film to see. I would watch that because, once but, again,
0: like I know a little bit of Rudy Ray more. Not a lot, uh but he's not enough of a person who's so vivid in my imagination that it would be worth maybe seeing something like that. Um, You know, what's impressive to me is a movie like Joker that does that well. And it's a pretty dark film. Uh, It really is. It's a dark, dark movie. And I mean, it's mental illness. It's literally about mental illness, someone who just loses it. And, it, you know, yeah, you can call it a superhero type spin-off film, but it's definitely not in its own way. And it's a very powerful film and it, it's interesting that a film that dark was so popular. Um I have not yeah, seen yeah, it, I think it yet, but I will I think it's, see it. it's worth seeing. I you saw Yes, it? it's not there haven't been that many yeah. films that I've seen in in that whole and all the ones that have been, you know, so uh, praised. And that's an interesting film. And it fascinates me that it did as well as it did. I, wow. I, 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 I'm, it makes you wonder because it's not very conventional. And it's a dark story. It really is. And uh, it, it's a well-done film. And he is very good in it. Sometimes he gets on my nerves. But yeah, you can't take it away from him. He's, he's clearly completely into this role. Well,
1: now, did, did... – well, somebody said to me that it's kind of similar. It's like a little bit of like the, the King of Comedy with Robert De Niro and yes. Jerry Lewis. Yeah. It's, it's something similar, kind of similar yeah. about that? Okay. Yeah. I, I'll,
0: I mean, it, I'll try to see it. It's, it's not – I mean that's more of – that has some black comedy to it. This one isn't that funny. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, but, well, did you uh, did you see uh versus Ferrari? I'm sorry. Say
1: it again. Did you see Ford versus Ferrari? No.
0: You saw that. And I did not.
1: I did. I I loved it. It was, I think it's my favorite film that I've seen all year in the movie theater. I mean, you're on the edge of your seat. The way they film the racing scenes, it's incredible. You're like in the car. It's like you're in a, uh, not a video game. It's like you're in that car racing. Mm -hmm. And plus, even if you didn't love the film, you can't help but walk out. and you're doing your Christian Bale voice, you know, like that and trying to be American and not uh, talk uh, Australian, and uh, stay calm. You've been poisoned.
0: <laughs> Get he, he's, he's actually one of my least favorite actors, he's, but that's okay.
1: He, but you know what though? He is really uh-huh. good in this film, and he he plays these these kind of tortured characters. But this was a this was great. Matt Damon is really fun in it. So I mean, there's a lot of action in it, and the relationship between the the two of them. It's really it's it's a great movie. I, I was. Super surprised. You
0: also liked
1: uh, Little Women.
0: You raved about that.
1: Oh, my God. I love Little Women. And I had never seen any uh, other adaptations. I think maybe a little bit of the one with Winona Ryder. But I liked it because it was was an old-timey dialogue. It was very accessible. And. I think Reddick Erwick did a really no, did, you? did a really great job. No, did
0: you see it on your own? Because I'd question you if you went to see Little Women on your own. Uh, uh, no, okay. See, so no, I did do not because <laughs> I'd be scared if you were going to see a movie like that on your own. <laughs> no. All
1: right, okay. Uh, but I, I was I was pleasantly surprised. I, I loved it. I thought it was great, and and uh, I'm glad that it's part of the 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 nominees. I mean, there's some films that I. That I think really should have been included in the list and yeah. weren't. I, I'm not a big Star Wars fan. I mean, I like the Star Wars movie, but I'm I'm not hardcore where I have to see it the minute it comes out. Although this year I did see it the minute that it came out with with uh, with a good friend. But I actually loved it, the Rise Star War, Star Wars: The Rise of Skywalker. Mm-hmm. I I thought it was a lot of fun. And I don't want to make any spoilers for anyone that hasn't seen it, but it's worth it because everything that you want to happen, I think, kind of happens mm-hmm. in that film. Uh, there are some really hardcore Star Wars, Star Wars fans that do not agree with sure. me on that, but I, I think that it was a great film. I was Toy Story four. I there was a sentimental part of me. I I enjoyed that film. So did you take your so no your, so they nieces, your d- girls to no see that film? I, and, and and
0: I didn't. They saw it um and they did it and it they, won
1: it won best animated they film. they
0: they went behind my back and saw it and it's, it's okay um <laughs> you know kids disappoint you all the time um the so <laughs> i will say it and i do want to say it, and i love the toy story films uh the previous ones of all are really great films and it seems like they've you know kept that high bar which is nice uh because it's a great series oh yeah it's a great series it really
1: is yeah I mean the first one obviously for for me we saw it yeah know, we did with your it. kids and it, and it was great yeah it was great I mean it it was it still has the it's like seeing Raiders of the Lost Ark that that I just the impact of that first film it it still is the best I think out of all of them as much as I like Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade but Toy Story 4 was a little disappointing I don't know why mm. I just maybe maybe I mean again because I do uh, voices, and, That's right. uh, I don't know I, I just kind of thought that the voices sounded older, I know they are older and you have to take that into account but it, it just uh, I don't know, it didn't feel like uh, a Toy Story movie wow. to me, like the, like the first one the first and the third are clearly my faves, they, they're, they're definitely my faves, uh, I think one of my favorite films that I've seen all year was a documentary, and it was the Quincy Jones Yeah, Uh, that that was very good. That was very good. Yeah, his daughter made Rashida Jones. Oh, this was amazing. I mean, like this was—it was so much fun to watch. It's there's like three different acts of his life. There's there's early Quincy, and then the bebop era, and then there's, there's there's the '60s and the '70s, and Frank Sinatra, and then the Michael Jackson era. I mean, he he had three, four acts in his life, and he's. What is he, eighty six or yeah, whatever? No, it's it's I a, mean, it's amazing. It's amazing. It really is.
0: And I I saw that too, uh, with your recommendation. I really I I, I enjoyed it. Uh, the documentary has really come into its own and, and especially with Netflix. Um I just watched one yeah. and everyone has been telling me, You gotta watch, you gotta watch, you gotta watch it. So I watched it. It's called Don't F with Cats. And um and I've really enjoyed it. I it's a three part documentary series and I loved it. It was great. And it it's an incredible story and i kind of remembered it a little bit and you you watch it in it, it's like a great detective story that hap that unfolds in a very unique way and uh it, i don't know if you could handle it i feel like you're you're pretty
1: squeamish uh you know my thre- you know my threshold of horror and horror. yeah this is it, 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 i would say there's, pretty, there's, a there's
0: more They talk about more than what you actually see, but the the subject matter is very, very intense. But, I mean, it's basically about this guy who tortures these cats, and these cat people come together, and they're like, don't F with cats. We're going to find you. And he puts out these videos (laughs) of him torturing cats. And This is your type of movie, sir. They start this online group to try to figure out who this guy is so they can get him. And eventually he turns to killing someone, a real person. And they eventually get him and the police and everyone gets involved. Uh, but you realize these nerds behind the computers are finding more clues and doing a better job of being detectives than the actual detectives oh. are because they're so focused on getting this guy. But I love but it. Then there's a larger point that film makes, which is about did they feed into it and make it worse? He knew about the group that they had formed. He knew about all this. Was his want to be famous and be a celebrity? Did they feed into it and make him kill a person? And that's the question that the film asks, and you wonder. So, good, really good. Wow. At, there's been some great documentaries. I saw one on the. the
1: is it a popcorn film? That's what um,
0: I. Saw. I think it's a, probably I think it's a not. Anything, anything you get your hands on, on? I would eat it. Uh, well, you. I mean, first of all, some of it you're watching with your mouth open. You're like, oh my god, is this really happening? And. Uh but anyway, yeah, no, it's great uh, great time for documentaries. Really is. Uh so many good ones I've seen. Uh and I and Netflix, I gotta give them props. They do a they do a great job. They really do. They make some really fine documentaries. So I guess we should talk about there was a big loss.
1: It's yes, hard to say that someone terrible.
0: suddenly passes away at one oh three. And I don't mean that in wow. jest, but I guess it seems sudden. Uh, But yeah, Kirk Douglas, the legendary
1: uh, Kirk Douglas, 103. Born in 1916. Incredible. Uh, Just reading the bio. Now, I didn't really know this. I didn't. I would have thought he made he could have made 100 films and I would believe it. But he made more than 80 films, nominated three times for an Oscar for Lust for Life, uh, The Bad, and The Beautiful and Champion. I don't. I saw a little bit of *Lust for Life* and a little bit of *The Band of Beautiful*. I have seen *Champion*. That was like what made him, I guess, a really a big star. That was the film that really made put him on the map. I don't know. I've just I've watched already a few documentaries about him. I just I never really knew as much about him as say maybe Humphrey Bogart or James Mm -hmm. Cagney or Jimmy Stewart. Growing up, my Kirk Douglas came from from impressionists and, and i have to say it's, it's just like yeah, i want to be a star <laughs> I mean, that that was that was the experience i had from people like frank gorshin and and rich little but I, as i've gotten older i mean i remember when i saw a young man with a with a horn and then of course uh uh Gunfight at the OK Corral. Yeah, he's really Spartacus. good. Spartacus, of course, he's actually really good in
0: Gunfight at the OK Corral. He is.
1: He's yeah. great in that movie. He plays like these anguished, tortured characters. Uh, whether it's Van Gogh or, or uh, of course Doc Holliday and Gunfight at the OK Corral, Spartacus, that they're like anguished. And he, he. That's. I think that's where people kind of look at him and see how intense he is. Um, And I I just love one of the things uh, he said as an actor that he likes to play roles where if it's a strong character, he likes to find the weakness. Uh, And if it's a weak character, he likes to find the the strength. And he tells a story about John Wayne that because they made a, a few pictures together. And he said, John Wayne's like, what are you doing? That picture about that, that Van Gogh. He's such a weak character. He said, how can you do that? We have an image we have to keep up. And that was how John Wayne thought that, that you should be, that they were they were movie stars. And of course Kirk Douglas completely saw it very differently, that he always wanted to find the chink in the armor for, for a really a good character to play. So I, I I I see both both of those places there because John Wayne was I mean he was incredible. It, yeah, but he, so he, he, just...
0: he wanted to present that image and keep that image and Not deviate from it. And uh, it's funny, I think when he is at his best, his characters do show vulnerability. And whether that's in The Searchers um, or in True Grit, that was his favorite film. True Grit or uh, The Shootest, he has characters that show vulnerability in those films. Mm -hmm. And that's that's interesting to me. My favorite Kirk Douglas performances, I have two that I love. And uh, they're probably not talked about as his greatest um but is is i think it's his second film as wit in out of the past i love him in that film he uh, he plays a really seedy character and a villainous but plays it with such control which is not something he's known for restraint and control uh and he does in that and he's really really good in it and him and mitchum have a great interplay in that film they really do their relationship well he would
1: often he he would yeah. often say that he, he had made a career playing sobs
0: and and so uh he just he I love I, I, him in that role and and it's an early role and you could see he had he had the star power then and I loved him in 7 Days in May love him in that movie once again uh works with a guy he's familiar with Burt Lancaster they play well together um and it, it, what I like about that film is that Kirk Douglas has such respect for Burt Lancaster in the film in their characters and yet is so deeply disappointed in him and conveys it really well. And uh, yes, it's like a political thriller and all that stuff. But it's interesting to see these two guys who are these life soldiers and the respect and yet disappointment. And, and Kirk just nails it. And I love that. Well, it's, kind of, it,
1: it's interesting you say that because that is kind of the relationship that that they both have in Wyatt Earp and Doc Holliday. They they kind of respect each other, but yet they're just not on the same page, their characters. So I kind of wonder if that was, they looked for that kind of thing in scripts. I don't know, that kind of conflict. Yeah, yeah, maybe. I mean, it's, uh,
0: this is quite a loss in that, yeah, it's not sad, I guess, in the sense that, I mean, the guy lived an amazing life and had an amazing career and gets to be 103. I mean, that's pretty incredible. But I think, he really is kind of the last of that old Hollywood. I mean, I guess you could say Olivia De Havilland is still alive, and she certainly represents but, it to some
1: degree. I don't want to take that away from you. She she does. She represents Golden Age of Hollywood. But he's the he's the last, like maybe true matinee idol, because he he was.
0: He just had that. He was never one of my favorites, but I did like him, and he had that movie star quality, that movie star charisma, that presence that.
1: Not everyone has. And yeah, when well, you see him on film right away. Yeah, so, he's yeah. just there. Um, he he really is there. Now I I think I think people have brought this out. And I think it's important to bring it out that when he made the movie Spartacus, he was really uh, Give me your Tony Curtis. Go ahead. They could, uh I am Spartacus, Antoninus. <laughs> I uh with a Lisbon from the Bronx. <laughs> I am Spartacus.
0: <laughs> okay. Yeah, that, I dude. always enjoy that. Thank you. It, Thank you.
1: Well, it's like did they, like they sit around and say, now what we need here is we need a guy from the Bronx. Yeah, we this do. Really hard New York. Accent. Yeah.
0: Heavy Jewish New York Bronx. Brooklyn. <laughs> heavy
1: Jewish New York Bronx. That will really yeah. convey this well. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I like the fact that what he did, and I didn't know this, is that Dalton Trumbull, that he he yeah he, it was his decision to put, put his, name. his name on the screen sure. to and and that in 1960 yes. so that was maybe kind of the end of the blacklist and and because he did that it, they said it broke the blacklist
0: yeah no that's so, it's pretty interesting that uh, that he did take that stance and and did get some credit for that and duly noted well yeah pretty pretty
1: big loss in the world of Hollywood no doubt um, and he was one of the first. He was one of the first people in Hollywood to produce his own films. Am I correct? Uh, Brina Productions, that was yep. uh, named after yep. his mother. So, I mean, he, and I mean, and look, in the last probably twenty-five, thirty years, he's known for being a philanthropist. He's given millions away to charities. He and his wife. So, no, no, like he's an
0: incredible life, incredible career, and
1: uh, should be saluted
0: justly. It really should be. Uh, you know it, it's just he's just he really is the last of his kind and it is kind of sad in that sense but yeah what a life what a life so well this was fun thank you uh yeah i appreciate uh great some of your input on the oscar stuff i i definitely i'm gonna see ford versus Ferrari and little Women. i'm de- on your recommendation alone heard good things about it you glowingly talked about him so i'm gonna do it i'm to see him
1: Definitely, yes, I, I agree. I don't know if I'm going to see the cat film. You're probably not. I'll think no, about it. Yeah, you'll think about <laughs> it, but you're
0: not going to see it. Yeah, I know you. I know you. You're basically a coward when it comes to films like that.
1: And and I, I am. And that's I, I am. I'm proud of it. Like I could handle it if you were sitting next to me and you were making jokes. <laughs> like maybe, like protect me from. <laughs> sure, <laughs> I'm I see. Such a yes.
0: <laughs> well, anyway, this was fun. Uh, check us out on Facebook, brothers on the on the phone, talking movies, uh, and you, sir, of course, the voice of Donald Trump on the uh, great show, Our Cartoon President on Showtime, Sunday nights. Thank you. Fantastic. So good stuff.
1: Thank you, Lawrence. This was great. This was fun. We're going to get back to watching the Oscars, find out uh, who's going to win Best Picture. All right. Do you have a a sense on that before we go? Uh, Going with the wind. Go. Okay. Let's go with that. Going with the wind. Uh, Thank you, everybody. This was fun. All right.
0: We'll see you at the movies. Take care. Good All night.
1: Right. Thank you, sir.
0: Good. All right. Good evening. Welcome to another edition of Brothers on the Phone Talking Movies. And hopefully, on the other end is my brother. Is this you? <laughs> you never know, I
1: guess, do you? <laughs>
0: yeah, because I don't want to be doing it with anybody else. <laughs> yes,
1: it is me. <laughs> okay. Excellent, sir. <laughs> uh,
0: so each week we do this uh, podcast, and we're two brothers, we're talking films. Sometimes we talk classic films. Other times we talk other films. And uh, you sent me a, just a barrage of ideas this week. It was really hard to sift through them all, so thank you. You were really thinking.
1: Well, I mean, we I was trying to think what things – there's so many things we haven't really done. Just when you think, like, uh, is there anything else we didn't cover? Yeah, there's a lot of things. There yeah. really
0: is. There's a lot. So. Um, I kind of singled out this idea, which I thought was really interesting. So big props to you on coming up with an interesting and and provoking uh, idea. In some ways, this wasn't that hard for me. I really kind of – I think only one of my picks really took a lot of time for me to think about. Um, But my other ones didn't so much. Um, And really we're addressing the idea of prejudice and prejudice in society and how how film – addresses it in great films that address prejudice, whatever it may be, whether it's sexism, racism, uh, anti-Semitism, you name it. Uh, So I like that concept a lot. It's good stuff.
1: Yeah, there's, I mean, when I started to think about, I had a few films that immediately came to my mind that I gravitated towards. And then, like at the last minute, oh, there was uh, so many more that hit me. Sure. Uh there's just a lot of films that have really tackled this subject in in different ways. So, uh would you like to go first, sir? Uh okay, that's an invitation
0: for me to go first, so I'll take it. Um I decided to go with uh a film that I've I've quoted before. Um I guess one that I really like. Uh it's a message picture about anti-semitism, but it's dressed up as a film noir murder mystery, which I think makes it really uh for someone to be like oh it's gonna be too heavy or this or that uh no just even watch it for the murder mystery but there's a nice message in there uh when i say nice meaning a good strong message about anti-semitism uh the movie is crossfire and it is starring three roberts young mitchum and ryan uh robert ryan won a supporting oscar as the Jew-hating soldier Montgomery, and basically what you have is you have a bunch of soldiers right after World War Two, and they're just kind of aimlessly wandering around, and, you know, they're they're trying to get back into society, and they get into some trouble, and one night they they end up drinking too much in a bar, and they meet a guy, and he happens to be Jewish, and he's nice to one of the soldiers because he sees that he's kind of sad, and uh, they've all had a lot to drink, he invites him back to the apartment, and... One thing leads to another, and Montgomery, who is clearly an anti-Semite, basically beats this Jewish guy who's invited them into his home to death and covers up the murder and blames another soldier for it. Uh, Robert Young is a detective who kind of sifts it out, and Robert Mitchum is another one of the soldiers who kind of plays both sides a little bit until really kind of the end, and then he comes around. Uh, it's really the first film to tackle anti-Semitism. It even beats um, Gentleman's Agreement. And I think to me it's a better film than Gentleman's Agreement. I know Gentleman's Agreement against the props a little bit, but uh, I love that this movie tackles anti-Semitism and really does it uh, pretty, in a very strong way. And it's based on a book, and in the book it's actually um, homosexuality. Uh, it's a homosexual that gets murdered. And I think the producers in the studio felt this was a little too much for Hollywood at that time. So they went with the anti-Semitic, you know, uh, theme and it still works strong film really like it.
1: Well, I'll tell you what the thing, one of the things I love about this film. I don't know if this is, I'm not trying to be uh, funny or anything, but I love the poster. It's such a great poster and or lobby card that, Pulp fiction-y, hard-boiled noir, and it's got good color in it, and it's that hard-boiled detective. And Robert Young's got that pipe and he's got the gun in sure. his hand and there's the sure. girl and and you see the dead, the dead person. I mean, it's just a great uh, just makes you wanna makes you wanna see it. Now, when we had talked about this before, I hadn't seen the movie. At least I don't think I had seen it in its entirety. And so since we've talked about it, I did see it. And you know, I, I'll tell you what, uh, it it wasn't bad. I didn't love it, but what I did like about it, it was it was different, and there it was subtle, and yet it was not so subtle uh, in certain ways. But I definitely my favorite thing about the whole film was Robert Young's character, seeing Robert Young play play the uh, the good guy, the detective. Uh, mm-hmm. I thought that was kind of I thought that was kind of a cool role for him, so uh, I liked it, but. As far as anything else, I didn't think it was anywhere near as good as Gentleman's Agreement. I think Gentleman's Agreement is a much better film. And and speaking of Gentleman's Agreement, that's what I went with mm-hmm. uh, for a segue. Because now there's another reason I went with this. I wasn't going to go with this film. But I found out some information about Daryl Zanuck, who was the head of 20th Century Fox and the producer of the film. Now, I don't know if this story is true or not, but this but this is what I heard that he was denied entrance into a Los Angeles uh, country club. And they thought he was Jewish. And he, he wasn't Jewish. He was Gentile. And he was so out, outraged by that, he decided to make a film uh, about it. And a lot of the other movie moguls, uh, Louis B. Mayer, the Warner Brothers, they were Jewish and they said, no, please. They begged him not to do it for fear of backlash. Some kind of crazy reprisals. They were just trying to to fit in and not cause any stir. So they, they, they were not going to touch anything like that, but he was, he was not about to let that go. And, and so maybe he really was the one to make it because he wasn't Jewish and, and, and he tackled it. And I just thought it was, it was a really, I mean, it's just a great, just Gregory Peck is, is so great in the role. There's some things there that are, that, Uh, Some of the lines and material can be a little dated, a little corny. But overall, I would say it's pretty gritty. I mean, they use a lot of expletives, a lot of really nasty, gritty language that you you don't hear in movies today. even.
0: Uh, Yeah, I I, I think it's good. It's just –
1: it is a good movie. Uh,
0: I I just think – I I think Crossfire – And it won three Oscars too. It did. I just think Crossfire is – I think what what gentlemen's agreement is, is that the anti-Semitism is, I don't want to say more subtle in a sense, you know, where in Crossfire, it's more obvious. Robert Ryan, you know, clearly, I mean, this guy is a complete anti-Semite. You know, the villain is so clear where so many people, uh, the norm is that they say these things uh, about Jews and it's handled a little differently. I think it's still Hollywood polished, but. It's a good film. I,
1: I, I can't criticize the film. It's a good movie. And, f- and for these movies to come out post-World War II yeah. in that era and to tackle that kind of subject. I mean, I look at it now and I think, I don't know that, that we do that today. Or, I, I just don't. I don't know. I mean, that's really hitting it head on with the language. And, and I, just, I just love the way they, they did it. He just decided he was going to say he was Jewish. Gray and see what happens and so if, if people haven't seen it i mean i would say to see both uh, films because they tackle it differently but i definitely favor a gentleman's agreement uh overall um,
0: yeah i think what i like is that crossfire does it in you know you know i love noir so the idea that it's a very dark bleak noir uh, in in a murder mystery, and yet there's a whole other message happening. From, really, there's another component. Yeah, yeah I really like that. But to your point, both films and from 1947, uh, really competing for who kind of gets there first. Uh, so it's kind of interesting they both came out at the same time. Uh, yeah, no, a great pick. I kind of thought you were going to do it. I know you. I wasn't well. going
1: to. I really wasn't going to pick that movie until I heard that story about Daryl Zanuck. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting. Whoa, that's like really it's really interesting Uh, so
0: um yeah it's so 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 funny that that these guys were still denied i mean they basically you know i mean at that time you know so many uh, jews were running hollywood really i mean that was the only business they could get into was making pictures and they became successful at it so it's funny that they were still being denied uh some of those things when they were some of the most successful people in the country and what,
1: and what you know the other thing that's kind of in, for whatever this is, whatever value this is, John Garfield, actor John Garfield, played uh, a Jewish person, a Jewish soldier yep. in 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 the film. Yep. And and it was only five years later that he died of a heart attack, and a lot of people said that it was because of the stress of of the uh, the witch hunt. From, yeah. Uh, yeah. The communist witch hunt. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Of course.
0: And his career taking a big downturn, you know, he was really relegated to making some B films and, you know, he had been an A actor really. And then boom. Yeah. It's, it's sad. Very sad. What happened to him. Um, So, you know, one of the things that, you know, Hollywood does is when they do try to tackle something in, 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 in this case, racism, sometimes it, it, it's through the aspect of the white person uh, stepping up and realizing that they've been wrong. And, it doesn't always focus so much on the plight of the the African-American as the white man is stepping up and doing the right thing. and It's a safe way to get a message across about racism, and Hollywood, I think, does this a lot. What I like about this picture is, yeah, it does it a little bit, but at the same time, it's very much from the perspective of the African-American in the film. Um, and it's from 1967. It's In the Heat of the Night. Um, I think this movie really hits hard uh, about racism. You know, you've got this African-American detective. They from Philadelphia. call
1: me Mr. Tibbs. <laughs> That's right. Seven he, days a week, 24 hours a day. Uh,
0: he's stuck in a small town in Mississippi and, you know, reluctantly has to aid a murder investigation with uh, the local chief Gillespie uh, played uh, brilliantly by Rod Steiger. Um, and, You know, there's so many great scenes in the film, but the one that really stands out to me and I think to so many people. And at that time, I can't imagine how African-Americans felt when uh, they go to question the local plantation owner, Endicott. Oh, that's a great scene. And he slaps Tibbs and Tibbs slaps him right back.
1: Right back. That's fantastic scene.
0: And that probably did more. For so many people, that scene, and I don't know how many things. It's it's truly the power of film. And it, it really, even when you watch it today, it's so powerful. And when the, the, the plantation owner says, aren't you going to do anything about that, Gillespie? And he says, nope. And it's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's not a pretty movie. It's not like everyone gets no. along great at the end either. There's, there's an acceptance and a respect that it happens. Uh, with both men, uh, with Virgil Tibbs and, and, and Sydney I mean, who else could play that character but Sidney Poitier? I mean, he did, does a brilliant performance. Uh, but you really see so many of the racial attitudes. And it's funny, he does Guess Who's Coming to Dinner, which is well, an entertaining movie, but a little soft. It yeah, really is. Yeah, it's, and it's, both were,
1: were 1967. Yes. kind of interesting year. For, for...
0: Uh, I just like how this takes it head on. And he's such a strong character, Virgil Tibbs. And Gillespie, once again, clearly has some racial attitudes, but is open and sees that this guy's smart. He knows what he's doing.
1: So I think it's I think it's a it's an amazing film. In fact, it's so it holds up so well today when you see Virgil Tibbs, you see I mean, he's a good guy. I mean, he's just trying to do his job and. But he does lose his cool, and he gets angry when, he's not, treated, when he's not treated right. And it's pretty intense. Um, really, and, is uh, I just can't imagine if you were
0: African-American at that time how, how proud you must have felt. And it was great to see such a strong character. And, uh, yeah, just a great film, great soundtrack. And
1: probably probably for people that had never been to the South, that didn't, hadn't traveled to the South, to see that that's kind of what it was like. That was pretty rough.
0: Yes, I, I I would say so, and you know, obviously done during a time of great upheaval in our country. So, yep, yeah, it's you know, just a
1: really powerful film. Do you know uh, what else I kind of liked about that movie? But I didn't realize it when I was watching it. But after a couple of uh, viewings of it, was the music, and it's by, it's Quincy Jones does the music. It's a really, it's a good cool, good soundtrack.
0: It is, and Ray Charles, of course, sings the theme song. Yep.
1: Uh, Amazing,
0: yeah, which is a great, great song. So, yes, big props.
1: Mm-hmm. I like that. That's a really good pick. Wow, I didn't even think of that one. I'm actually surprised. I thought of Guess Who's Coming to Dinner, but I did not think of Ben the Night. That's great. Um, well, I picked Hidden Figures, which was something that that was back uh, was released in 2016. I remember seeing it in the theater, and I thought, okay, this is. This is is this real? Like, how could we have missed this? And it was, in fact, yeah. uh, the woman, Katherine Johnson, who was the mathematician that uh Taraji P. Henson plays in the film, she was still alive. She was in her mid-90s. And if it wasn't for these three women, um, who knows what would have happened with the space program? But these were mathematical. Geniuses, these these African American women, and they basically changed the NASA space program w- with their skills. And it just was, it just boggled my mind. First of all, how we didn't know this story, and then how they were treated. Now, again, who knows how how true the story is that during that time period were they really treated as nice as they were in the film, which wasn't so nice, but the, it it seemed like it was. Yeah, maybe it was soft-soaked a little bit. I don't know. But you definitely saw that my, these ladies were doing incredible things, and yet they couldn't even use a restroom with, with other people. They had to walk a half a mile. I just remember that scene between Kevin Costner and Taraji Piance in the film where he, he says, where are you? I need you to be here. You've got to be here when I need you. Where do you go? And she says, well, I, I had to go to the bathroom. How long do you have to be there? I mean, it's such an incredible scene. It's so emotional. And she really just wallops him and says, well, there, there's, there's there's, no restroom here that I can use. And so it, it's a really great scene. And I just thought it was it was a great movie. I'm so glad they made that story.
0: Yeah, I, that I would film. agree with
1: your first assessment.
0: It's like, how do we get this far and don't know that story? And
1: Yeah, how is and, that possible? Yeah,
0: it really, it, it's... It 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 it's sad, you know. Yes, it's a it's a good film and an entertaining film, and glad they told the story, and sad that it took that long to tell that story, and and that we still have to make films like that to get the point across to people. Yeah, it, it's we've come a long way, but not far enough. And you know, yeah, that's and they and, that's and they, kind interviewed, of what we're they
1: interviewed. They uh, interviewed the three main actresses in it: uh, Taraji, Octavia Spencer, and Janelle Manet. I mean. They they were stunned, they just felt like it was their 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 privilege and their duty to just tell this story. So I yeah it it was uh, it's a great film and yeah I've no, seen that's it cool. A couple and of times
0: I like that that you've picked uh, a, a more modern one um, as well. Uh, you know Hollywood loves doing films like this, and Hollywood can be very hypocritical. They talk about how progressive they are, and but they're really not. As uh, yeah, even this year they've been criticized for how white and male their picks are for the Oscars. And once again, it's we still have a long way to go. But uh, good pick, Hidden Figures. It's a good film. Um, so you know, I I decided to pick something that addressed really sexism, you know, especially with women. And uh, this film does it in in a pretty neat and entertaining way. And I must say, I've always liked this film. And I really do think that, and Tom Maggs is a great actor. Uh, He he wins in 93 and 94 for Forrest Gump and for Philadelphia. And he was good in both films, but I think he was better in this one. And um, even though it's about women, he gives a great performance in it. Um, and it's a league of their own from 1992 and directed by Penny Marshall. And I really, it's a really neat film that addresses sexism in a really entertaining way. Uh, You know, you've got the all American uh, women's professional baseball team who are out there trying to entertain people. Well, of course the men are off to war. So you've got a couple of things here happening. First of all, these women are just treated as sex objects because they're women. So you've got all the men hooting and hollering and whistling. Uh so you get to see that side of things. But then also you get to see the lack of respect that people have for them because well you can't be as good an athlete as a man. So all these things are happening, and yet these women, of course, prove themselves to be very talented athletes. And I like how it flashes back as the women are being, you know, honored much later on in life, and then you get to see their story. Um like I said, it's an entertaining film. It's funny. It's poignant at times. Uh, it takes place, obviously, during the war, World War II, that is. But I really do like uh, the points that it makes about sexism and that these women really rose to the occasion. And they prove themselves to be uh, really great athletes. And that's so
1: how they won want, people it. over. And it has one of the great movie lines in moviedom. Oh yeah, uh, crying. You're crying. I'm crying in baseball. <laughs>
0: yeah.
1: yeah, I really it's do. A, Tom Hanks. Uh, at,
0: it, I mean, I don't know if you. I, it's hard to say. Is it a lead performance? I guess it is. I think he uh, should have won
1: for that performance. It's one of his
0: I, greatest I performances.
1: He's great. He's so. He's so on Tom Hanks. Totally in, in right. that film. Yeah, he's very. He's just scrappy. Really scrappy. Um, He's not corny and it's a great performance directed by Penny Marshall. Yeah, I I think it's it's her best film.
0: And I'm not a Gina Davis fan too much. She's really good in it, too. She is very solid in that role. Um, and you got a lot of supporting players, you know Rosie O'Donnell's in it. I mean, I Madonna's mean, in it. I mean, there's all these other people that flow through the movie. And, <laughs> but they and they're good at it too. Yeah, they,
1: all they are. Oh, they are good. I agree, absolutely. And 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 you know, I didn't remember who wrote it. I'm just looking at it uh, up now. Is Lowell Gans and Babalu Mandel right. from Happy Days wrote the film? Yep. So how that's pretty cool. So yeah, it's. I watched that film. I mean, that to me is. That's like a maybe almost a little guilty pleasure. Uh, I, I like it. Uh, yeah,
0: I just think if you look at it only on the surface, then it's just a, an entertaining a comedy, a period piece comedy. But it makes some really good points about sexism uh, and the things that women have to go through and how they're treated by men. And, you know, here it is they win them over because they're good athletes. So I, I, I really li- I like that, and I've always enjoyed that film.
1: Yeah, and I'll tell you what, you picked an interesting film because it says that in 2012, it was selected to, for preservation in the United States National Film Registry by the Library of Congress as being culturally, historically, and aesthetically significant. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Yeah, I yeah. think so. I really do. Like, uh, like I said, I think it, yeah. there's
0: more going on there than, than, than meets the eye, uh, but you can enjoy it as a, as a comedy uh, with some drama. Um, but I think, and it, the
1: ending is the ending's kind of is interesting too. It, yes. it has kind of a it's kind of a warm, kind of fuzzy ending. It's it's nice. It's, yeah, it's cool, cool ending. I like that. Yeah, it's a good film. Good. Yeah, I, I, I was trying bit. to I, you know think about okay, movies that address sexism, that I think are good
0: and that they're entertaining and they do it in a way that people can appreciate. And uh, that one really really stuck with me.
1: Well, I went kind of dark. I went. I mean, I just, uh, this This is a, I, I can't quote any lines from this film. I can describe a scene from this film, but I've always liked this movie. Uh, I, I like I, the time period of when it came out. And it, I remember seeing it and just thinking it was really funny. But also at the time, I just thought, oh God, this is really, this is rough. And it's Spike Lee's Do the Right Thing. Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, it's this film is just, it, it, it ramps up pretty fast. It gets really tense. And um, there's so many great performers in it. Obviously, Spike Lee and, and Danny Aiello is the owner of, the, of Sal's Pizza, Rosie Perez, uh, Giancarlo Esposito, John Totoro, Sam Jackson is in it. And, of course, Ozzy Davis in Ruby Dee. What else? What, you know, and, and, and uh, one of my favorites in there is uh, an actor by the name of Bill Nunn who uh, Radio Rahim he has the boombox yep. and this is one of my favorite scenes where he, the boombox just the batteries just die on him and he goes into this uh I guess like a convenience store and there's uh I think the the owners of the store are Korean and he want, he's trying to explain to them D batteries I need 20 D batteries <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> And I mean, it, it's a lot of expletives, like, which I can't say, but it's a funny scene. It's just the culture of everybody trying to just kind of coexist and live together. And it's the, the, it's it's so it's about like nothing because they're arguing about stupid stuff like Sal's Pizza. They have Frank Sinatra and all and Rocky Marciano on the wall they Have all these white Italian guys. And they're and, and and the and the kids that come in and they support the their patrons of the pizza place are wondering why are there no African American athletes? Where's Michael Jackson? You know, where's all the great Where's all the great uh, African Americans? And so it just kind of escalates the film. But it, I mean, it made me think: is it really that? Is it really that tense? Uh, but oh I yeah, don't know. I mean, I,
0: I mean, listen, I I think so, <laughs> and it's a very a surprising pick, I wouldn't, you know, but I think it certainly is a great pick. And, I mean, Spike Lee is a provocateur for sure. He really is. In um, that film, yeah, it's just one day in an area. And it just how everything gets inflamed and blown up. Uh, and it really, it shows a side that we don't normally see. You know, us, us suburban white kids, we don't see that. Uh, it 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 takes us into an uncomfortable territory, yeah. and that 's good because that 's what good films should do sometimes
1: yeah it 's really uncomfortable and I think that 's the whole point it's it 's the very fact that people no that can 't be that 's not real that 's uh that doesn 't exist and well uh yeah it might be it not only might be it might be worse than that it might, and this is a little more um, homogenized for film uh, i mean i don't know i mean spikely does that with a lot of movies uh, there were so many that i could pick but i wanted to pick ones that were really that were really different so uh, i have honorable mentions Do you have any well by the way mentions? i also have to
0: say too that, that that film also has one of the great themes um and it was um fight the power yeah from, "Fight the power from public enemy which of course at the time was one of the hardest hitting rap groups there was. Uh yep. It it's a great, great song. And, out. and and the lyrics go after Elvis and John Wayne. Uh and a lot of people were offended by that. And it, it's just a great song. It really it you feel the movie in the song. It, 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 and yeah. it's it's rare that songs do it so well. But uh yeah that was a great, great song.
1: Yeah it gives you that sense of the era. I mean, like, Goodfellas is another film that was, I believe, wasn't Goodfellas 89 or is it 90? Nine, I think it's 90. But yeah, 90. Yeah, that period is just an interesting period of 89, 90, just some interesting films around that, that, that time. But, yeah, that's – I love that. Uh, I love that movie. Uh, yeah. I mean, I can't watch it all. I'm not in the mood to watch it all. No, anymore.
0: no, no, it's not. It's not. <laughs> yeah.
1: But it, it definitely is a really
0: good film, and uh, you can make a case, you know, one of his best for sure. Yep. Yeah, honorable mentions. I mean, gosh, there's all kinds of movies, you know, and I thought you were going to go with Schindler's List. I really did. Uh, You surprised me by not picking that today. But, yeah, I mean, you know, what can you say about a film like Schindler's List?
1: Well, I think that movies like Schindler's List and do the right thing. I mean, it's a toss-up on it. I mean, actually, I think there's a lot of people that haven't seen those films. Absolutely. I mean, and and the, the cool thing about Schindler's List, it's about somebody that was an industrialist uh, during the time of the third Reich. And even though he didn't necessarily say that he was a part of the Nazi party, he still was a German industrialist and that's the side that he was on. But yet he finds a uh, redemption. I mean, it's like, what a great character. And, yes. And his arc changes and, and he ends up being the savior. So I think that was a way to sell that movie. I mean, one of the things I thought was great about that film is when Steven Spielberg had it made for television. It was it was amazing. He agreed to do it as long as it was commercial free. Yeah. Yeah. So like the power of that and it made actually it did well at the box office, not to mention he won best director, best director as well. So, yeah, I mean, way better than people thought.
0: It's a landmark film. It really is. Yeah. You know, for us kids who were who were raised Jewish and we grew up in the, in, in, in synagogues and, and we were we saw a lot of these Holocaust films, uh, the real ones, real documentaries. But a lot of people weren't exposed to anything before Schindler's List. They just they heard about it, but they didn't know. It was an eye opener to so many people. Um, sad to say, it took so many years. Once again, but thankfully, it was made.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's, it's what else do you have uh,
0: on uh, your honorable mentions?
1: Oh, my God, there were so, there's so many films. Uh, uh, I had, um, I, I had, uh, I did have Schindler's List that was on there as an honorable mention. I, I had uh, some other Spike Lee films. I thought, uh, um, uh, well, let me mention a film that I think, it, which I think I, I have talked about before. It's the uh, Denzel Washington film um, about Reuben Carter, Reuben Kincaid, The Hurricane. Hurricane, yeah. Yep. I just think that is that's a great story. Like wow. Uh, I mean, I don't know why they only give it like one or two stars. It's such a great film. I mean, you 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 can't, you have to finish that film. Then of course there's Remember the Titans. I mean, th- this is it's just a really cool uh, story about again, it captures that that era in the spirit of the times in the 60s and 70s of that era and uh, the casting and in, in remember the titans is great and they run it a lot so uh, that's but i think the hurricane is one that's somehow that's overlooked and it's a really cool story it's a true story so those, yeah. are, those are a couple of my honorable mentions yeah well i
0: i i put down uh, you know schindler's list and and i was like yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna add that to it and and, and I at first I thought, oh, yeah, guess who's coming to dinner? I was like, yeah, that is good. It does tackle it. It's a bit soft, but it's still an entertaining
1: film. You know, I no, think,
0: that's a gr- it's a great film. I,
1: I, mean, I, I think. Sp- yeah, go ahead. Spencer Tracy is so I mean, he's so great in that film. And for that period of time, I mean, we're talking what 52 years ago. Yeah. And for it's not it's not corny. It, it's it's like the real – it's real. I mean it seems kind of absurd that the whole thing was about uh, a, a black man and a white woman that are going to get married, and they made just giant big deal out of it. But then it was a big well, deal. Well, of course. Yeah, it's it's a huge deal. I think – uh, Judgment
0: at Nuremberg is a pretty powerful film too. It, oh, that's uh, crazy! It, wow. it, 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 obviously, you you get to see a lot about the Nazis, but you really do see the brutality and, and and you really get an understanding of it. But on a on a cerebral level, and yeah, it's a really powerful film too. Uh, it, it really is. Uh, so yeah,
1: that's a good one. I did think of Judgment at Nuremberg, and that's it has an amazing cast. It does talk about. I mean, the cast is all over the place. Yeah, really, you the do,
0: people. you do, and you have some people that give some cameos, and and they're brilliant. You know, Judy yeah. Garland and Montgomery Cliff are are really great in smaller roles. Um, Marlene Dietrich Jean- is really good too. Marlene Dietrich is great. Yeah, is
1: Gene Kelly in that too?
0: I think is he in that? I kind of think. No, so. no, I don't. Wait, no, no, no. no. Are you thinking of uh,
1: Isn't that... Inherit
0: the Wind? I think you're thinking of oh, Inherit the Wind. I yeah, think. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah just yeah great great movie very powerful once again Richard
1: Widmark is in that that's right yeah Yeah. oh yeah he's the uh, Maxime and Shell is really he's fantastic in that film he was nominated
0: for an Oscar I think he may have won too Mm -hmm. yeah he's fantastic in that so yeah there's there's a lot of films this is an interesting subject Uh, I might want to come back and revisit this too I feel like I've missed some things yeah there's
1: oh I do I mean as you're talking I'm thinking of ones that that I that I didn't mention. So maybe we'll 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 revisit this at another time because there's there's really a lot of good ones. Yeah, and, you know, it, and, it
0: occurred to me, and, and I'll end my thoughts on this that uh, Blazing Saddles is an interesting film because it laughs at racism and anti-Semitism. It it it, it pokes fun at it. Yeah. And what does that mean? Because you can't make that movie today. People couldn't handle it. Uh, But it laughs in the face of the silly uh, prejudices that we have. And I wish there was more of that sometimes. But right now, it's a pretty tough time. So I get it. But uh, I've always thought that that movie made some pretty interesting points.
1: Yeah. I mean, Mel Brooks said that if you laugh at Hitler, if you make fun of him, it it discounts him. It discredits him. Exactly. Exactly. I love that. I love that. It's It's a good point. All right. We might have to reuse it revisit this again this was good well yeah this there's a, there's good. some
0: films for sure that we have not mentioned uh thank you no good good choice good pick yeah you too this, very was, good, uh, bro. <laughs> this was an enjoyable discussion we almost sounded <laughs> intelligent thank you <laughs> well we don't want to get carried yeah away, right, right, but right, right, but right yeah <laughs> away. well once again check us out uh on facebook brothers on the phone talking movies uh and thank you for listening to us and uh we'll see you next time
1: yes sir see you at the movies
0: Good evening. Good evening. Welcome uh, to another Brothers on the Phone talking movies. We are the brothers. Yes, we are. We are talking movies. And this week we have a very special, I hate saying topic, it's so cliched, but we have a theme this week that we're really excited to talk
1: about. And can we say why we're talking about this? I think we can say why we're talking about it. This was your idea. I thought it was... This was a lot of fun. I I didn't think I would have this much fun with this. <laughs> well, the
0: I think one of the main reasons is is that you know, you're uh, you actually have a day job and uh <laughs> one of your big day jobs is you are the voice of Donald Trump on Our Cartoon President uh on Showtime and you do an That's amazing true. job and you, you guys are obviously do it a whole other season because it's the big election cycle. And
1: what now? When you say amazing, that almost leads me to the word tremendous. Oh. You if, know, yeah. if you want to go there, because go yeah, <laughs> go, go for it. Uh, um, it it's uh, yeah, uh, we are in our third season, actually. Uh, like I... <laughs> for a couple of reasons, uh, at the very least. Yes, <laughs> and our show uh, debuts here. A quick little plug on sunday january 26th will be the start of the third season so hope everybody gets a chance to watch it um it's it's funny and it's all real news (laughs) yeah that's right (laughs) yes no it's it's a fun show uh it
0: really it is fun and it takes a a pretty comical look at things and you do a great job as the president you really do It's, it's just you are unbelievable knock it out of the park I'm not just saying that. Well, thank you. Just as your brother. Um, But yeah, it's just a lot of fun. And uh, it's pretty cool that you're doing that. So this led us to this topic, which was, well, now that we're in really the thick of the election cycle now, is our favorite political films. Uh, And some of those films that, you know, may be obvious, and then some may not be so obvious. Uh, It's a pretty interesting kind of topic, political films. A lot of films, you know, I think they embody journalism as well within politics. I tried to be careful about that where I didn't want to always make it about journalism tied into politics. But sometimes it does work that way. And uh, it's so funny. I was literally done my list. And then I thought of one. I was like, oh, you know what? I really like that film. And. I I ended up really thinking about it going, yes, I saw that movie a couple of times. But anyway, I'll mention that later. Um, So why don't you kind of start out with uh, one of your picks? I have a feeling we're going to overlap a bit, and that's okay. That just means the movies are good.
1: Well, uh, I, I guess I have about four or five with a few honorable mentions. I think the first one I can tell you that hit me was Citizen Kane. And it's always been a movie that was tough for me to watch um and 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 you know just kind of listening to some interviews with orson wells and just re-watching the film and documentaries there's always something that I learned that i didn't know um i mean i did did know that he made the film when he was twenty five but i I heard him giving an interview saying that he took very very little money almost no money for the film because he wanted control that was the thing that he wanted more than anything so when the daily rushes came back the studio they didn't mess with him they just let him do what he wanted so the script and the rewrites they were they were his to do as as he wanted but as far as the film goes wow it it just looking at the film today I see it so differently than I did maybe years ago because I see so much. There's parallels that are happening in our world today. The character uh, that that Orson Welles portrays in the film is kind of loosely based on the publisher, William Randolph Hearst, or certain qualities that he has. But it, it's just fascinating to see his rise and his fall and that he was a great guy in the beginning, an idealist and wanted to change the world. And then eventually he became this kind of crazed, maniacal, megalomaniac. And he ended up isolating himself. And just, unfortunately, that's where the movie just, uh, you can see the, the, the disintegration of a person's whole character. So I, I, I thought that there were, there were so many political themes and just the 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 concept of again what you said about journalism bringing into play that that he got unfortunately he got involved in tabloid yellow journalism which uh, made me think of Roger Ailes what ails does mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and a lot of what's happening today with 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 fake news
0: yeah i mean or, it's or it's not fake it's a, news.
1: It's a, it's a a great film. It,
0: it is remarkable to think that at 25, he makes one of the most important films of all time. I mean, at 25,
1: it's incredible. I don't even know yes. what I was
0: doing at 25. Nothing of any importance,
1: really. Um, I, I know what I was doing at 25 and I can't talk about it. Yeah. Uh, in, on this podcast. It I just, just was <laughs> <laughs> exactly.
0: And it's remarkable to think that he was so far ahead, even at that point. Uh, and it is. It's an it's an incredibly important film. I yeah, you know, I thought about it. It didn't necessarily make my list, but I could never argue it. There's no argument to go against it. And it's thing. not an
1: easy film And it's not an easy film to no. watch. I think w- what makes the film so interesting is the fact that it's maybe not so easy to watch those, the cinematography, those camera angles, the fact that his world is getting smaller and, the, and and where he lived was getting bigger, and he was getting smaller in a way. It, it just was unbelievable how they how they structured it. Uh, there's a there's a scene in the film where he's a little boy and his whole future is being decided at the beginning of the film, and his father is in a little bit in the background, not so prominent, but his mother, who's who's controlling the situation, is in the in the front, and it's just the symbolism in the film is incredible. I mean, you can probably see it a hundred times and realize how critical the the cinematographer oh, was yeah. and and orson and orson wells gave that cinematographer a credit greg toland yeah that was greg yeah. Toland. right it was right on the screen right underneath orson wells he felt he was that critical to the film Absolutely. so um it's yeah i would see it again and again but certainly i was more intrigued by by seeing it uh, this time um
0: once again can't argue that pick it's a uh... A great film, and there is a lot of political themes, as you said, within it. Um, I went big on this one. You, you don't mess around uh, with this one. It's JFK from Oliver Stone, 1991.
1: Well, I knew <clears throat> you were going to do it. I knew you were going there. I just knew it. Um, I knew
0: it. it it's just one of the most um, interesting films because – It raises a lot of questions, whether you agree with it or not. It raises a lot of questions. After I saw it for the first time, I wanted to fly down to Dallas immediately and and start my own (laughs) investigation Uh, because I said, well, are you kidding me? Uh, It's incredibly uh, manipulative. Uh, Some say very one sided. Uh, It tells a really neat story. It, It has an incredible cast. People just keep cropping up in the movie. Uh, And, of course, you have Kevin Costner, Joe Pesci, Donald Sutherland, Kevin Bacon, John Candy, Tommy Lee Jones, Gary Oldman, Sissy Spacek. It just goes on and on. And let's not forget Walter Matthau. Everyone is in that film at some point. It's it's an amazing cast of characters. And he pulls it off. He really does. And, I mean, what is it, three hours? And it flies by. It just...
1: Totally pulls you in. Well, it makes you want to know more. It makes you want to investigate more. And it makes you want to see every conspiracy film on JFK or surrounding the assassination and his presidency that was ever out there. I mean, it sends you right back to the video store or wherever you get movies. It is, it's insane. I love Donald Sutherland's uh, part in that. He was, he was just great in that. He was, he was so, so perfect. Uh, It so reminded me of, someone else in another film which we'll, we we may we may get to or not uh in another political film his type of character but i remember seeing that film in new york city and i remember going in and seeing like a two o'clock show and it was i i think it was i don't remember what time of year it was but i just remember when i came out when i went in it was light and when i came out it was dark <laughs> yeah <laughs> and i had to get a lot of popcorn and a lot of candy and it was it was just
0: really yeah I, I just Oliver Stone stop thinking about it. Oliver Stone's made some great films I I don't think he'll ever really top that uh, for impact as well as really good filmmaking he's made some good movies but that film the impact and so many people spoke out against it and it really yeah.
1: it really does just which 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 did him a service because it made more people Absolutely. curious made more people want to see the film
0: yeah and an idea that a film like that grosses whatever i think 200 million dollars uh, that's not necessarily a very commercial film in really any way and the idea that that made 200 million dollars back in 91 92 whatever it, it's it's remarkable uh, it just an amazing film and you know what i'm i'm a huge fan of it. I don't necessarily watch it every year, but when I do get into it, I watch it, I love it. Uh, and it shows obviously really the sinister side of politics and what can what can happen or what could have happened. and one of the great mysteries of all time will remain Kennedy's assassination. and he raises a lot of interesting questions, whether you agree or not, but definitely one of the great political films of all time.
1: And I, and, and I don't know about you, but I remember when I saw, first saw the film, I didn't know about Jim Garrison. I didn't know that that was the character that Kevin Costner was portraying and that he was a district attorney from New Orleans. And he was trying everything he could to, to try yeah. to get to get to the truth and find his way through the, the corruption. So I, that was kind of cool that we got to be exposed to, to him and that, that he had his, his, his name in the spotlight yeah Um, no and 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 kevin costner is
0: really good in that role and it was interesting to see that story which we really weren't exposed to yeah it's a good point good point so what else do you have
1: yeah that's a great it is i I I love that i love that i love that movie i was gonna go with that i i I went real old school and i went back to 1939 just mr smith goes to washington just had its 80th anniversary this past year I've always loved that film. Uh, I think, I mean, I don't know, Frank Capra just, uh, he hit the, he hits a note in me, which is, um, yes, there's a lot of corruption. The whole film is, uh, about one, one lone young Senator, Jimmy Stewart, who tries to fight his way through the political graft. And, and uh, even loses his voice in the film, which I think you know, be, actors gain weight for films and lose weight for films. Jimmy Stewart, there's no question, he lost his voice in this film uh, with the filibuster, which uh, I, I mean, his to me, he should have won an Academy Award for, for that. Role. Well, that's
0: why I he believe was... he won in the following year for Philadelphia Story. Yeah. For Philadelphia Story, I think they yeah, we did talk a, about that. Yeah. I, I see. I don't know. Uh, Robert Donat wins that year, and it's a great performance. I, I, in Goodbye, Mr. Chips, but certainly Jimmy Stewart gives an an unbelievable performance. Yeah,
1: he's just really he's just so incredible, and it's not dated. He, he's not corny. We've often said that actors like Jimmy Stewart, even John Wayne and Humphrey Bogart. There's something about these guys that. We we can kind of relate to, but yet we can't. They're larger than life, but they're not corny. They they somehow hold the test of time, and the film is 80 years old. And it just I, that film just gives me hope that there's just somebody that's just willing to just say no. I'm I'm not going. I'm mad as hell, and I'm not going to take it anymore. And and that's kind of what he does. And he's young and naive. And so anybody that needs inspiration to get away from the current political climate to do the right thing. I have to say, Mr. Smith goes to Washington. Um, That's, that's my pick. I I can't see that uh, enough.
0: Yeah. It's a good movie. I've I've just, it's never fallen into one of my favorites. And um, I'm one of those people. uh, Frank Capra to me is like a Stanley Kubrick. I have a lot of respect, but I don't necessarily always enjoy the films uh as as much as others do i certainly
1: respect that he was trying to... there's been people that have they were critical of capra people thought he was a socialist and that there were hidden agendas that he had in his movies and i mean i don't know if he was I think or
0: not he's but... more right-wing honestly if i really look at yeah, it yeah i, I kind of I on the conservative so. side a bit. if i if uh, but but uh, that being said i when you look at his films and the and the big ones that happened one night and Mr. Smith goes to Washington, Mr. Deans goes to town. Yeah, there's always these messages in these films. And I, I don't know. I've just not – it's not something that I always want to watch, but I respect it. It certainly tackled something that a lot of people weren't tackling, and I give him credit for that. And it is a great performance and a lot of good performances in that film.
1: Not to mention, it was nominated for 11 Academy Awards. I mean, that's. I don't know how that would hold up by today's standards. Uh, who knows? But it's definitely on the AFI list of great 100 movies. good He is. He is. He's, he's great. He plays such a great antenna really in that film. Yeah. He really yeah. um, so, so, what do you got? I've,
0: this one, this should be no surprise to you. And. Once again, like you just said, sometimes these films take on greater meaning as time goes on. And I think this film really does take on greater meaning as time goes on. Uh, It's painful in a sense when you look at it today and you go, wow, uh, this is incredible. Um, Drum roll, please. And it's The Candidate.
1: Yes, that's on my list. You snuck into my bedroom.
0: I've always I've always liked this film. It's my favorite Robert Redford performance. I think it's the best performance he's ever given. And that's you know, that's saying a lot. He's a good actor. And he's just so believable as that character of Bill McKay. And Peter Boyle is great as this political strategist who finds him. And they're looking for somebody young and idealistic to take on. And I know you love the name, Crocker Jarman.
1: Crocker Jarman,
0: Uh, the popular senator, and he's got that Kennedy-esque look. Robert uh, Redford does. He's young. He's handsome, good ideas. And you know what's really interesting about this film is it's very manipulative in a very subtle way. It plays kind of like a pseudo-documentary. I think you would agree with that. It, It feels that way. And I think that adds credibility to the film. It almost seems real at times, like very real. Some of the shots are kind of off, you know, off camera. They're, they're odd shots, and it definitely plays like a pseudo documentary. But I think what's most manipulative about it is at the end, when he wins, surprisingly, and he says, well, what do we do now? It's a great
1: ending line. That's, all, that's, that's the line. Here it comes. Yeah. You, uh, you what do it. we do now? we're doing that, what do we do now and <laughs> I, love I, I love that I love mind that mind too, love but here 's my point
0: about it being manipulative is we're rooting for this guy, and we know he's flawed, and he becomes a bit more flawed as the time goes on, and the machine swallows him up, and he changes his message, but yet we're still rooting for him to win, and at the end he's basically telling you he's not even qualified he's saying what do we do and we've been rooting for this guy and we've been manipulated to vote for him essentially off camera.
1: Well, I think it's such a good point and, and and he does what a lot of candidates do when they're in debates, which is what do they do? They don't have solutions or sometimes they do have solutions and sometimes they attack or what they do is they raise questions. Gee. And that was so much about what his debate was about was raising questions that we need, we haven't really addressed these issues issues of crime and health care and so on and so on. And, and so he he talks about that and you you really you get a there is a believability like my god this guy this guy really is the candidate
0: yeah i just think that, that I, by the end of the film he's telling you he's he doesn't know what to do he can't believe that he's it, won and he can't believe that he's won and that's yeah. such an interesting parallel to what happened in the last election cycle. I don't even know that Donald Trump ever thought he was going to have a chance to win, and I think he was shocked that he won. And that's why I'm saying that parallel to today uh, it is, is incredible, and we get – we don't even – sometimes we don't even vote for the right candidate. It becomes almost cult-like. You, you get sucked into – it's almost like a cult. And you're not even thinking clearly. And this movie manipulates you so much.
1: Well, it it does, and I love I I absolutely love the actor that plays Robert Redford's father, John. McKay, oh, Melvin Douglas. Melvin Douglas, and he he's got a couple of great lines in the film where he says he says you're a politician now, and it's 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 as though his father who. Who uh, was was the governor is telling him you've arrived. You're a politician now. It doesn't matter. Yes. They'll never remember what you what you thought or what you said. It's okay. You're one of us now. Yep. And that's the that's really the scary part. And then the fact that he is the more handsome uh, candidate uh, out of the two. So he's a little more telegenic. And that's kind of the substance over the style over substance, which is a shame but that's what that's what we kind of exactly. go for in our candidates sure. it's really it's just too bad but yeah i love that film it's and it and it kind of it hit it hits me it hits me even more today i i don't think i i quite really understood it and it it didn't feel like a movie like you said i i, I always felt it was what is this is this a a movie Is he just running around following him with a handheld camera it, it it always kind of rhythmically, it sort of felt kind of jaggedy, but not anymore. No, no, not at uh, all. It, it, it's like they just made it. If it wasn't for the sideburns um, <laughs> that Robert Redford is sporting, yeah, he that does film, I would some, think that it was. He, he, he does have
0: some <laughs> lamb chops growing there.
1: Yeah, and they even make uh, reference that the sideburns got to go. <laughs> you got to lose. Control. Yeah,
0: no, I, the pseudo documentary style plays really well uh, and, and it almost keeps it. Uh, a, more current, you know. I like that. Um, yeah, it's a great film, and I think it just gets better with age. I really do. It, it makes great points, and you don't even realize you're being manipulated as much as you are until the end of the film.
1: Yeah, I don't think this film actually gets no, to do, Lawrence. I think I think people should see this. I think this got kind of lost a little bit. It's been under the radar. I I mentioned it to people, and they they had really. What is that? Who who was in that? And so I think it's a great I, – now I want to kind of see it again, you know? It's so, just... Totally. Yeah, it's, it's – it's, <laughs> I,
0: I definitely – anytime it's on, I watch it. Sometimes I'll put it on. Uh, it's just a great film. I'm assuming that we're going yeah. to agree probably with their, our, with at least one more pick. I got one more kind of rogue one, but
1: uh, I'm assuming I – have, I, have, I have two. I have my last two, but then I have one, one honorable mention uh, for, for certain. But, but my, uh, my runner-up, this is the one my runner-up, is All the President's Men, <laughs> which uh, might be my favorite film of the decade of the 70s, perhaps. And it certainly is one of my favorite films of Dustin Hoffman and Robert Redford. Uh, For those people that haven't seen it, um, again, I'm surprised that a lot of people haven't really seen this film. Uh, Two journalists brought down the President of the United States with their investigative journalism. I think it's maybe the greatest political thriller film, not only because of the subject matter, but the way this film is shot, unlike say, Citizen Kane, which might be a little more difficult to watch because it is black and white. The shot's or extreme, this film is in color. And so there's so much symbolism in this film. I've never taken a film class, but if I, if I did, I would imagine that this film would be studied just for the, the, the sheer look of the film, because so many of the things that are happening that are clandestine happen in the dark, and when things come out into the light and Nixon is exposed and the administration exposed, the, the actual film gets brighter and we see more light in the film, so it's just a fascinating film for me to see. The casting is in, unbelievable in that film. We've talked about it before: Robert Redford and Dustin Hoffman, or Carl Bernstein and Bob Woodward. Jason Robards um, it plays the the editor. Ben Bradley, uh, yeah, of, and he the won, Washington, Washington Post. He won, he won an Academy Award. He, yeah. he won Academy Award. Jack Warden yeah. is in that. Marty Balsam yeah. is in that. Uh, and then, of course, Hal Holbrook plays The Informant, I mean, just a deep throw. It's incredible. I just, I I can't see this film enough. And I'm such a documentary junkie on this that when they, when actually they came, I think it was maybe a couple of years ago and Redford and Dustin Hoffman and I think a few other people were discussing it. So I just, I can't recommend it. It's maybe my favorite film about uh, politics and just, just, how we view things and as the public and 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 just sort of and even then i i remember when the film came out i was only 16 but i remember it was it was in a way it was a shock and because we didn't have social media like we have today we don't know what's news is is what what is the news is it fox news msnbc is it cnn is it our cartoon president stephen Colbert? Is it the, is it, I, who, what's the news today? Where do you find the news? So I, I don't even know how that film would be received today.
0: Yeah. I mean, I, uh, it makes my top, top pick. It, I, I knew we would kind of
1: overlap on that. It
0: is just a fantastic film. Uh, if you don't even like politics, just watch it. It's a good thriller and you'll be caught up. It's a detective story, uh, which is really, I think adds to the film as well too. It, makes it easy to watch because of that. Two guys just trying to find some answers and people don't want them to find the answers. And that's great. And it, um, it shows journalism at at its best. And journalism certainly needs more of that in in today's world um, because it is very skewed and it is very one-sided at times on both ends of the spectrum. And these were guys that were just trying to write a story and the acting is incredible. The movie is paced incredibly well. Uh, all the people that are in it, like you said, it's just filled with great actors, big and small. And, yeah, it's one of the best films of the 70s and certainly probably my favorite political film. So that- I am with you on that. You, you, uh, you, there's just nothing to say.
1: Was that that major? Was oh, that yeah, major, it was, my, was my part of your it was my dreams. top one.
0: I had one other one that I enjoyed uh, it's hard to find ones that are fun or or funny or, but I I always enjoyed the movie Dave. That's a fun film.
1: Oh, Dave! Dave was uh, an honorable mention of mine. I love that film.
0: That's a great film. I, I I really it's it is, and and I think it's another film that doesn't get its due. Uh, I would recommend more people seeing it. Clev, Kevin Klein is great in the film, and. I I love when he brings Charles Grodin in. I think that's my favorite part.
1: Uh, when he <laughs> Charles Grodin is to very do the funny. books, He's basically.
0: Really and yes. I love that whole thing. And it's just yeah, it it's it's it has its moments. It can be heavy at times, but it, there's also some really fun light moments in it. And definitely just an honorable mention, it it it, it shows politics but from another side, and I like
1: that. Oh, absolutely. It's a very human story. No one gets mauled. There's no machine no. guns. There's no hacking up. It's just. It's kind of a fun if you want something that's kind of middle of the road uh, to just to get you to think a little bit. And I, Sigourney yes. Weaver's actually really good in she it is. too. Yeah, and she, she is.
0: She really is. And I, yeah, it's it's a good film, and and I I really do recommend it. I I've seen it. I don't know, maybe three or four times. I always enjoy it when I see it. Yeah, a really good story, good acting, and. It, 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 even though it's about big things, it feels small and intimate, and I think that's. It basically takes the presidency and makes it a little bit more intimate, and yeah, that's that's really neat, and I like that about that film. So that was kind of like my wow. that I Boy, Uh that yeah, was kind of my yeah, one yeah. that didn't necessarily make my top three, but I've always liked that film.
1: That's I never in a million years knew you liked I that do. film. That hit me. Uh... Wow, that you really you, you nailed me with that, that was great. Uh, well, I have to say, my my top pick is the Manchurian Candidate, mm-hmm. the original one in 1962, not not the uh, more mm-hmm. recent one with, with uh, Denzel Washington and uh, Meryl Streep. I, I I like this film more now than ever. I don't know why I had trouble watching the film early on. Maybe because I thought. It, it just it seemed I didn't know what I was watching at times, and it because it, it it's a, so much about uh, the brainwashing that it happened to this American Korean Korean war uh, soldier, and it but it's it the performances are so incredible they're so convincing Lawrence Harvey, who who, who plays Raymond, uh, yeah, uh, yes he is scary as an assassin Mm -hmm. and, and, but the most frightening person of all is not the assassin is the one pulling the strings. And that's Angela Lansbury. Who's the, who's the D Yep. Yep. Yeah. (laughs) In, in in Disney films. I mean, (laughs) she is really, wow. She is crazy controlling. Uh, she's amazing in that film. Oh, it is. I love this. She's planned out
0: this whole, this whole assassination plans it all out. It's, it's, it's incredible. It really is.
1: Yeah, it it's uh it's it I don't know. I think it's worth it to see it now because of un- of the unrest that's happening. The when the movie came out it was uh, right in the middle of the Cold War and we're now sort of contemplating in our own country do we are we really running our country? Is the United States is are, are, is there someone else that maybe pulling the strings Uh, uh, are the Russians uh, I mean uh, are they in any way involved in the decision making that's happening are they listening in to our conversations and this movie touches on uh, all of these things you know supposedly Sinatra was the one that pulled
0: it he had the power to do that because the movie was banned for many years no one could see it and I think it was became available again in the early 90s um that's when i saw it yeah i don't and and it was pulled Uh,
1: well it's strange it's strange because the film was made in 62 a year later president kennedy was assassinated in in a somewhat similar uh manner uh so i don't know maybe that had something to do with it and yeah the the, um, the movie i think
0: didn't it it just wasn't available for for release for so many years i So a lot of people missed
1: it. I would like it to kind of see it's not something to be proud of. If you're uh, if if you're anybody that had anything to do with the United States government, Um, it's it's pretty sloppy. uh, if, If something like that really did happen. And it's certainly really believable. There's nothing about it that is so far fetched that this couldn't happen
0: oh yeah absolutely and it, and it, and i'm sure it has happened on maybe somewhat of a smaller or different scale uh i i i think we we would have to almost say uh, yeah it has and that's really the scary thing and that you're right and that it can happen and it could still happen today uh, i i did enjoy the remake too uh
1: with uh, denzel washington i
0: thought it was a good remake i really did
1: yeah i mean it kind of makes me think that they'll do another – they could even do another remake where instead of it being mind control, it's about cyber warfare, which is sure. what, where I think the parallel is. So I, I think it's really worth – Yeah, it's really worth seeing. Both of them are, I think are worth seeing. Yeah,
0: I mean it's a great film, highly disturbing, great performances. Uh, you can see why it shocked people at the time. I'm sure people were just – when it first came out, no wonder they pulled it because I'm sure people were just devastated because they had no clue. Um, I had almost added good night, good luck to my uh, mind, but I thought it maybe leaned a little too much on journalism, but I do think it was interesting because it's about Edward, You know, Senator Joe McCarthy. So I kind of waffled on that one and I've always loved, I do like that film a lot and I always liked the point that it made, um, but I felt that it leaned maybe too heavily on the journalism side of things. So I, I kind of backed off of it.
1: That's films are definitely worth seeing. That's a good. It film. is a good. I, it is a good film. I, I didn't even. I didn't even think of that film. In fact, I, I, when I made the list up, that was not on my film. But I did think of Dave. When you, but I also thought of Argo, and that was after I made the list sure. and made my picks. I love that film that Ben Affleck uh, directed.
0: Yeah, I was. I even thought of um Wag the Dog. I mean,
1: that's the Wag the Dog is definitely an honorable mention. It's a fun that, film. I definitely thought. It's a fun film, and talk about the concept of distraction. Whoa, <laughs> both Argo and Wag the yeah. Dog—that's what we're dealing with now. At least, like people think that's the yeah. case. But I, I was—I—I I my heart was pounding when I saw Argo. I knew the whole time it was a true story. Yeah. And what was really cool is President President Jimmy Carter saw the film and actually said, "There's a few liberties here and there, but it, for the most part, <laughs> he said that it was pretty much the way it was." And so I thought, whoa, that made it even scarier. Now I, I want to see it again. I haven't, I haven't seen it since it really very first. Yeah, came me out. either.
0: No, it was, and it was a good film. I agree. Uh, so there you go. There are some of our picks for political films to see. Uh, certainly ones if you haven't seen them, go out and see them, and some see them again. Uh, once again, our cartoon president, uh, the voice of Donald Trump done by the other gentleman on this phone, and premieres. What, what was the date again? It premieres
1: Sunday, <laughs> January 26th for everyone listening, and it's going to be tremendous. We've got great Absolutely. military, a lot of great stuff, funniest show ever in the whole world, <laughs> tremendous, great, above everything. And this podcast, I think, too, probably will be around the uh, third season, so we can look for that to happen around the Weekend of the 25th, 26th, around there.
0: Uh, well-timed.
1: Uh, all right, excellent. Well, thank you
0: so much. Good luck on the third season. Thank you. We'll be watching. Thank you. And uh, and then we'll thank see you. you next time. Uh, we got a lot of good stuff planned. So uh, We have a lot of
1: good stuff. But Oscar stuff coming up. It's going to be Oscars are earlier this year, so we're going to have to get on that a little bit earlier. Right. I don't know why they're doing that, but I realized uh, the the screeners and all that, uh, was coming in a little earlier, but they're February 9th, the Oscars, so we'll, now, we'll be getting on that. Who's as well. hosting
0: Siri or Alexa? Who's hosting it? Do they have? A, I don't even know if they have a host. I. I
1: it's the first automated host. Yeah,
0: exactly. Why not give it a shot? They've tried everything else. Um, Maybe we should ask uh, Alexa. Who is hosting? The yeah, Oscars? exactly. <laughs> um, all right, excellent. Well, thank you again. This was fun. Thank you. Have a good night, and we will check you at the movies. See you at the movies.